Dan, that's a really nice. Dan, that's a really nice plant behind you. I see. I'm the only uh, man, uh, adult man, who knows how to decorate <laughs> a space. I, you have a very like. You have a very like. Uh, like conservative politician doing an at-home address kind of decoration. No, no, I'm vibe. sorry, I'm sorry. That is a Lib Dem background, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> conservative politicians with a far money Hitler biographies and. You guys look like the guys on uh, Rate My Setup Reddit. Yeah, yeah. No, th- this is my this is my neckbeard gamer cave that you're all peering into this week. Welcome to Trailblazers, the first ever podcast to be. be Welcome to Trailblazers, the first ever podcast to be done by men. And I am Ryan Broderick. And with me, as always, is my co host. I am Luke Bailey. Hello. This week, we have two very special guests. First, uh, a longtime friend of me and Luke's. Uh, a fabulous author and writer, Dan Dalton. He'll be talking about how he uses online RPGs to uh, feel like he's still alive amid the coronavirus crisis. We also have the incredible and talented reporter, Julie Alexander. Uh, She works for The Verge, and she's back on this week to explain how the movie Trolls World Tour has changed the entertainment industry forever. (laughs) Dan Dalton, hello. Welcome to the show this week. How are you? What's up, jokes? (laughs) <laughs> my 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 dream is always been to go on the podcast um how did this get made and since that's not gonna happen i'm gonna treat this as if i am on the podcast how did June. this get made? <laughs> this podcast is uh not nearly as good as how did this get made but it is a podcast and i am from the north shore of massachusetts much like jason manzoukas so it's almost like that yeah it's so wonderful to be a, a white man on a podcast I'm, I'm thank you for inviting me and uh breaking new ground here thank you every week we try to uh really blow up the format of uh men making radio shows at home for the internet um how are you doing luke how how, how you doing i'm good i'm good lockdown's still fine and normal and everything's okay yeah <laughs> I know. I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm getting to the point this week where I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I could really, really do with going to the pub now. Oh man, I miss pubs more than anything in the world. And you don't even have them. No. We should. We should talk about that that TikTok video. We should talk about that TikTok video. Let's talk about it right now. Dan, have you seen this yeah. TikTok video? I refuse to watch TikToks. Uh, they're good, so that's... <laughs> you should watch TikTok. Luke, describe... The only, Luke- the only TikToks I watch are the ones in your newsletter, which I'll probably end up watching this week. Perfect. So Okay, so this is a TikTok, which it is a uh, a guy who... It looks He looks about 17, but in the way that all like people in their mid-20s in the UK kind of look like they're 17. <laughs> um, and he is he's basically just going around a pub, and everyone's in the pub, and he's playing all the characters, and they're singing along to a uh, basically the hooligan version of Savage Gardens truly madly deeply <laughs> <laughs> which I mean there's actually an origin for this um, it's from a Puma ad from like 10 years ago wait is that true? Like, yeah no it was, it was a Puma ad from 10 years ago it was called the Hard Chorus ad where they yeah they got a load of hooligans to go to a, a, a basically stand outside a pub and, and make do the song if you haven't seen the video, you should watch the video because it's it's incredible. Hang on, I'm gonna find it and drop into the this chat. Oh yeah, because it will it will astonish you. I see it. There we go. Oh man, okay, I'm gonna experience this live on audio. Here we go. Oh my god. Oh my god, Luke. I am. I cannot believe what that looks like. That is the most mind-blowing thing I... 
Oh my god! From the first second, I, it almost makes my skin recoil. Like I, I, I almost can't look directly at it. It's like looking at the sun, but British. Okay, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, oh my! How did they get? How did they convince that group of people? I know, but it's incredible to do that song at the scene. Yeah. Do you think they're all like actors that are dressing up like football hooligans, or do you think they're real football hooligans? The guy at the start who does the like one line, the 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 soprano line, basically, <laughs> that guy's that guy's an actor. The rest of them are legit, I reckon. I mean. The amount of just like British faces in this is like almost too much to, to, to process. Oh my god. Okay, so now I've seen that what's the what's the TikTok? Alright, let me drop the TikTok in. Hold on, I got it right. So the here. TikTok's Okay. The, the TikTok is like high art. For people who can't see the TikTok, it's essentially the audio from the Puma ad of the soccer hooligan singing. But it's like one, like Gen Z kid, and it's green screened into like a Weatherspoons pub, just singing all the parts to himself. And he sort of but, looks like, uh, yeah, I forget the name of the magician. He looks like a magician. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know the one you mean. I know the one you Dynamo. Dynamo. He looks wait, like a, Dynamo. Wait, is that like a is that like a British magician named Dynamo? He's like. Yeah. yeah, he's like a chav magician from Bradford. <laughs> you, can't, you can't diss him anymore, man. He nearly died, like, twice. Um, the format of this show is very simple. Uh, uh, Luke and I talk about a thing on the internet every week that we care about, and we also force our guests to do that as well. And because Dan is our guest, we're going to make him go first. Dan, what is the thing that you care about that you want to talk, what you want to talk about this week? Well, I mean, how I've been spending my time the past month is, I mean, tangentially online, but it's almost entirely plain role-playing video games um, because I'm locked <laughs> down in my flat and cannot leave i'm experiencing all the depth and breadth of humanity through role-playing video games which video so, games are we talking yeah what are you talking about well i just put 50 hours into a game called disco elysium which is possibly the one of the finest games ever made um it's about a disco obsessed amnesiac detective who has destroyed his memory after a three-day drug and alcohol bender same Oh, I think I've um, lived this game. <laughs> yeah. It's got like this incredible psychedelic watercolor art style. It's the hauntingly beautiful score uh, written by British Sea Power. I don't know if you know British Sea Power. I do know British Sea Power. That's a man, that's a blast from the past. It's good that they're still getting work. It is. And I feel like it was, you know, it was made by a, a game studio in Eastern Europe. So apparently that's where British Sea Power have their fan base. Wait, what is British Sea Power? It's an indie band. Like what kind of British indie? Are we talking like Los Campesinos British indie? Are we talking like everything uh, everything comes back to Los Campesinos with you? Are we talking about like two door cinema club indie? Like what kind of British indie are we talking about? It was before that. I, it was it was very much the era actually it was, it was before the era. The era when all the bands had does, all the bands began with the. But British Sea Power era. doesn't begin with the. They were the exception. Like oh, like the wombats? <laughs> More like uh, who is the rifles? Remember them? No, I don't know why you would. <laughs> <laughs> so it's around the same time as, as um, Strokes, Libertines, Block Party, early two thousand, early you know, noughties to late noughties sort of time. Okay, okay, and so. Like, what is the game? So I will say, I, I looked up the, this game on Metacritic. Its Metascore is 91, which is pretty good. That is good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it won a bunch of awards. It's essentially, you're a, obviously you start this thing off as an amnesiac. You're on this case trying to solve a murder. You're in some kind of like parallel European state. It's very like weird. But uh, the choices you make as you solve the game, you can choose to because you don't have a personality, you can choose to be a certain version of yourself. Like you can become entirely fascist and solve this murder as a like 
you know, really right wing uh, hard case. You can go the other way and be like full full on communist. Um, you can be a centrist dad. What's your What's your political alignment in Disco Elysium? <clears throat> well, uh, okay, you went fascist, didn't you? You're being are you a fascist? Yeah, are you a fascist? <laughs> are you a fa- yeah. Well, uh... well, I'm on my second playthrough <laughs> because I want to do. You know, so I spent most of the first one going through as a as a hardline communist. Oh, that's um, Luke's whole playthrough of reality right now. Right, right. <laughs> but there, but there are certain uh, things you can't do in the game if you subscribe like to one idea, political ideology. So you have to play through it again as a different political ideology in order to like unlock all the stuff. And, Is this a ramp up to you saying that you played through it the first time as a communist, but now you're playing it through as a fascist? Oh, I'm a, I'm uh, I'm now going through it as a moralist, which is like a centrist dad. Okay, okay. So, wait, so a little bit racist. Little bit left, you know. But polite. You're 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 being civil polite. about it. You you right, can recognize right. that structural inequality is there, but you don't want to do anything to fix it. Right. Uh, and you know, taking bribes. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's a lot of self interest. But yeah, I mean, you invited me to come on this, and I just thought, what have I been spent? You know, I've spent this is what I've spent my entire lockdown doing. It's it's sort of experiencing the the outside world via. Uh, a game on my MacBook. Well, it's funny. Like everyone we bring on this at first, they, they all react the same way when I tell them that like, I have no plan for them and they kind of panic a little bit. Uh, and then they end up like usually bringing something out of the show that is wildly surprising. A thing that Luke and I probably weren't really expecting. Like we had a guy a couple weeks ago, our friend Andrew come on and he just talked about mushrooms and how he's learning how to hunt mushrooms. And it's like, I didn't really know where that was going to go. And I feel like in a larger way, the show is beginning to document just like the very bizarre ways that we're all living right now because we don't have to explain our behavior to anyone, which is turns out to be kind of a strange way to live. I mean, you guys, you guys live alone. I do. Yeah, but I mean, you've lived with uh, your now fiance for so long. You guys are essentially the same person. I mean, you just meld together. Sure. It's almost as if this podcast is a role playing game. And we're just feeling out how we want to play, you know. I like that. That's life. good. I mean, I do think that, like, COVID-19 has all of the kind of, like, vibe to it of end of a game DLC that someone has downloaded to, like, it's like, oh, you've downloaded the pandemic expansion pack for the world simulation. You know, like, the, the alien teenager that's running our reality kind of wanted to spice things up before he really ended the right, game. None of it also none of it quite works. It's very DLC where it's like, oh, we had this idea, but we actually had to rush it out in like six months and none of it quite adds up. And you're like, yeah, hey, why is this happening? It's like, it, it just go, go on with it. We'll, 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 it, it kind of feels like the end. end. Yeah. The, the end of the world RPG also like fired its entire creative staff and had a massive <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> new, new director for, for the, uh, for act three. And it's like, you know, the, the path to the apocalypse we were taking has completely been scratched off. And now they're just like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. Act three. We're, we're, we're going with pandemic. And, and we, so, can't, we we don't have enough money to make outsides. We don't have enough money to make like, outside <laughs> environments. So everyone just has to be in their flats. And it's like, oh, no, no, it's, it's part of the game. You just have to be inside now. Oh, right. Because they, they don't have the money to render like environments anymore. So we can't no, go outside. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of funny that like, if the end of the world simulation was going to be like every country elects a fascist and then they're like, but let's tack on like some fun extras to make it a really exciting ending for you. It's like, Oh great. Thanks. So wait, Dan, you said you were playing, you said RPGs. Are you playing any other? This is uh, what my third or fourth in a row. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I have to plug it right now. Uh, Disco Elysium is available on Steam. Uh, it's available on PC and Mac right now. It's not cheap, but it's completely worth it because I've put 50 hours in in four days. So go out and buy it. Support wait. your local independent game studio in Poland. Wait, hold on. Um, wait, Dan, did you, you just tried to sneak that in there. 50 hours in four days. That's like all of the waking time of four days. Yeah. No, it's not. It isn't. No, that's like it, three days. You have 48 hours in three days. 48 hours in two days. He, he said waking time. So what, oh. I'm awake for, yeah, what, 12 hours a day? 
at, at the moment. Yeah, it's about right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's con- it's consumed it's consumed my days. But uh, before that, I played a game called Days Gone, which is very on the nose because it's about an apocalypse. Okay. Um, and it's about it's basically like the show Sons of Anarchy meets the show Walking Dead, but as an open world RPG. So, so you're you, like you're a, like a biker gang. Right, you're a biker guy, and going around killing zombies, which is very cathartic. But it was also very like, oh, this is what happens next month. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like zombies up until this point have been a very like big fantasy for a lot of a lot of the same people who now have decided that six weeks inside is too long inside and want to come back out of their bunkers. So I mean, we should be clear: it is too long inside. It's just the the. The other option is worse. It's, <laughs> it's been a really I don't long know. time inside. I feel like I'm thriving. I'm playing all these different games. I've, uh, <laughs> I've lived. I've, I've lived. I've lived. I've lived a hundred lifetimes. You know. Um, I I think I had a really good momentum going up until week five. That's when I started to be like, I'm not okay anymore, and uh, and I'm beginning to get weird, like strange weird. This is the first time I've spoken to another human being in six weeks, but I, I'm having, a great, I'm having a great time. You're doing really well. Wait, has anyone else? So wait, Luke, you 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 live with a person, so I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have. You know, I've gone to like a stoop or outside of an apartment to see a friend, and I'm realizing that I'm beginning to forget to look people in the eyes when I talk to them. I mean, I haven't spoken to anyone who doesn't live in, like my f- apartment i <laughs> i haven't been like everyone i know lives far enough away that i would have to take a tube there and you can't get on the tube that would be death so i haven't spoken to anyone else IRL. ryan what you're saying is that when you talk to people normally you look them in the eye oh i mean <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> this is such an alien concept to me uh, I went to a special school for millennial men t- that teaches them uh, in their late twenties how to look people in the eye when they talk to them. Dan, what's your like? What's your big takeaway from RPGs in this uh, in this post apocalyptic world? Like, what's your wh- what does it all mean? You know, wh- wh- what keeps you going back and and, and playing them? The, I have nothing rich in my own life, uh, <laughs> and so. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's essentially distraction, right? Um, like I said, I've been thriving, but uh, <laughs> as as your local and global neighborhood depressive, uh, it would be very easy for me to just sit and wallow, uh, consumed by my own thoughts of despair. <clears throat> so by playing through, you know, games as somebody else and getting to experience all that the outdoor worlds of those games has to offer. I can, you know, fully be a human or a full range of human experiences. Wow. My takeaway is buy Disco Elysium. Spend 35, <laughs> spend $35. It's, it's incredible. But it's, it's, it's poetic. It's, it's beautiful. It's really profound game. I'm not doing it justice. I'm playing an RPG right now, but um, all of it is anime, and the less said about that, the better. Is it, um, is it dating simulation? Uh, there's enough overlap between dating simulators and what I'm playing that does make me constantly uncomfortable, but like, like I said, let's not delve into that one. <laughs> something that uh been kind of holding on to for a few weeks but uh it's actually become relevant as of today oh wow which okay will be two days ago uh which is uh the trevor bastard extended universe okay i have very vague memories of you bringing this up at a pub <laughs> last time we were at a like you've been talking about this for a couple of years i feel like i mean maybe i've definitely mentioned it before um, I should caveat before this that if anyone knows about the Trevor Bust Extended Universe, I'm going to get a bunch of this wrong because I've done no research. This is just things that I have absorbed from like the internet as a... Just absorbed from the internet. So 
the Trevor Bastard Extended Universe is a, a thing created by a guy called Trevor Bastard. That's not his name, I assume. I haven't checked again. Um, <laughs> based around uh, the club Streatham Rovers, which doesn't exist, but they play an exterminate uh, rat poison. Uh, a football club, a, a soccer club. Okay. A football club. A non a non league football club, yeah, um, and it's been this this universe has been going for about five years now, possibly longer, but it's going for basically forever. And it's this one guy who just keeps creating additional characters in this universe, which include uh, the manager of it, uh, Taff Goose, the lawyer for the club, Oliver. The name is spelt L A U G H D U G R Y. Which of course looks like you're, it should be laugh degree or something, but it's not. It's law degree. It's Oliver Law degree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, then there's also there's uh, who else is there? Simon Hedges, who is uh, a, a columnist. Uh, he's very angry at Brexit. Uh, very gets very emotional about it. Uh, Oliver Law degree once in the in universe uh, put down his dog, uh, which he blames entirely on Brexiteers because. <laughs> he had to put down his dog in order to dedicate more time to fighting Brexit. Then um, there's Simon Hedges' brother, Robbie. Uh, he, I think, got kidnapped at one point. Uh, then there's Oliver, Oliver Lordegree's wife. Uh, oh, Christ, I can't remember her name. Uh, Sarah Oxford Lordegree. <laughs> um, who is a parody of the many turfs of British media. Um, then there's but the thing is because it's been going for so long and it's so dense and I've I've done like half the characters and apparently the guy who runs it he runs about half the characters and then other people have just created them and he's just now interacting with them because like why not so wait like let let I think you need to take a step back before we go further here yeah is this like an ARG like how does how does this extended universe manifest is it through like blog posts or twitter accounts oh, like what, what is this on twitter it okay exists. okay okay well no that's not true oh. it exists on twitter and in the physical world okay well explain what that means because what do you do like how does that work like do they so do they show Stratum, up and dress up the foot the the non-league football club Streatham rovers plays in the exterminate rat poison league at, <laughs> at greyhound lane <laughs> um but after a series of tragedies at Greyhound Lane involving many unintentional deaths, uh, they sometimes can't play there. But they do are still selling the merchandise of the club, uh, you know, to to their their fans, and, and people buy this and wear it around the place for reasons that are unclear to anyone involved. So um, there's like but, an online store for the merch for this fake football team. Yeah, it's called Bastardo Sports. <laughs> <laughs> right of course okay um but the central goal of this is basically it's this non-league football club and then all of these basically parodies of centrists who you live in the uk long enough you will know the people that i'm talking about yeah um basically wait, wait, but, for, but for americans listening to this can you describe sort of the the general state of british centrism discourse at the moment okay so everything was normal then Brexit happened, and it radicalised a load of people who up until then had considered themselves the centre of British politics, who couldn't understand the concept of Brexit to the extent that they they lost their minds and spent all day tweeting furiously about this, including many people who were otherwise successful people, uh, which I think probably culminated in the lawyer Joe Morm, who lives in a windmill. <laughs> this, is, this goes real. <laughs> but... On Boxing Day last year, uh, <laughs> blew up British Twitter because he announced that he'd gone outside with a cricket bat to murder a fox while wearing Oh, a this guy! Yeah, yeah, I forgot about this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that guy's real. But then these are the parodies of people like this, which is a challenge because it's really hard to keep up with reality. Um, so this would sort of be like the um, the British equivalent of like resistance Twitter, which like completely lost its mind after Trump. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Resistance Twitter is probably the best analogy to it. But then what happens is this stuff then drifts over into real life. So the, bas- uh, the bastard universe, the bastard universe drifts into real life. The basic the central challenge of it is to trick people who are like this into believing that these accounts are real. 
there's enough <laughs> of them that it happens and then they end up engaging with these parody accounts who are just mocking them by repeating their own stuff back to them as though they're real um so for example uh i don't know if you probably haven't heard of the show have i got news for you yeah it's yeah yeah it's like one of those yeah, it's like yeah it's a middle brow british panel show but again quite smug and stuff so they managed to get the Trevor Bast Extended Universe onto that. I say they, it's he, it's one guy, managed to get the Trevor Bast Extended Universe onto that by tweeting that when they did a, the when they went to play a game, the other team deliberately ordered their uh, team sheet so that it spells out S R F C R shit. <laughs> um, but of course, having on YouTube took this entirely seriously and just played it as completely straight, as though this actually happened. Then. Um, we come to how it's become relevant this week, which is that they tweeted at Rory Stewart, who is a Tory MP who quit to try and pretend to try and be London mayor, but also did like 11 embarrassing things before that happened. Rory Stewart looks like a haunted doll. He looks like, he looks like a normal person, but the thing that's been done to him is what you do to like dehydrate fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a shrunken head who's then the skin has been stretched over a normal human skull. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's ghoulish. So how did, wait, how did he get sucked into the, into the bastard cinematic universe? Um, then, so what happened is that Stratton uh, Rovers tweeted at him to ask him to come and pick up uh, like dog shit from around the ground and complain the fact that their MP hadn't, hadn't done this. So he then uh, immediately got back to them and was like, this is awful, I will come and help. And then spent the next like three days attempting <laughs> to pretend like he was in on the joke from the start. <laughs> um, and he then was left the, the London mayoral race today, which is why this has all become relevant again today. Uh, uh, this would be Wednesday, we record on this Wednesday. This would be Wednesday, yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially it bleeds out into the rest of the, universe, into the, rest of the world you can follow various accounts and you will never quite understand what's real or what's not real. Um, but it's definitely, it's, 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 it's just a great fun art project that exists only on Twitter. So wait, D- Dan, how much in common does this version of like the centrism political alignment have in your drunk detective RPG? I mean, it sounds almost exactly like uh, an RPG. Uh, you know, what you're describing is a bunch of people role-playing reality but yeah it's it's the same yeah it's the same thing like the the choices you get to make in disco elysium basically put you in this sort of you know if you choose the centrist the moralist as they call it um persona then yeah you're making these these sort of choices but it's i mean it's set in a fictional city in a sort of parallel europe um and is incredibly weird but it will never be as weird as anything happening British <laughs> politics right now, <laughs> including uh, and not limited to Rory Stewart pretending to pick up dog shit um, <laughs> around, around a fake football club that only exists in the mind of the people that know about it on Twitter. So. <laughs> I mean, would you would you put it like that in one sentence? It sounds so psychotic that like it's almost hard to talk about. In fairness, Stratton Rovers, the fake football club, have played real games. What? How? What? Well, the, their supporters got together to play a game against the right, the, their fictional rivals, Dynamo Catford. But Streatham Rovers, <laughs> the actual football club, uh, disowned them and said that they would not support the, the football match of their supporters against the other supporters of the, uh, their fake rivals. So the fake team Stratton Rovers that doesn't exist (laughs) fans of that team yes got together to play as that team yes and the account the account of that team that doesn't exist disowned them and said (laughs) you can't do this yeah unfortunately that that account was then hacked by their their frequent uh rivals uh frequent fighting buddies and your fans for communism Okay. Because <laughs> this thing balloons out. This thing balloons oh out so God. far that it's just—it's just like an incredibly mundane, but slightly off version of what is just normally happening in the UK at any given day. That's what's yeah. so like psychotic about it. It's not like horsey books where it's like. 
this surrealist thing. It's it's just a slightly different version of what's already happening in real life. That is exactly it. And your fans for communism has completely broken me. <laughs> That's so good. Oh. oh man, it's completely broken. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I have a question. I have a question. As someone who's just discovered all this, uh, who is Trevor Bastard? Who's the guy behind? Yeah, the- yeah. What's what's his deal? It's just a, just a bloke called Trevor. Is he London media? Is he no? Just he's uh, I think he's Irish originally. Moved over to right. Stratham. Started Stratham. <laughs> just just a guy, just like a guy named Trevor in a small yeah. town in London or England has just created his own version of the UK. Yeah, he also became inadvertently again. It became inadvertently relevant because about a year ago there was an extended subplot that involved one of their players accidentally drinking bleach. Which obviously, like last week, became very relevant again. Oh wow! They did a public service announcement, being like, "Our player drank bleach." They had a video of it and everything, and uh, yeah, we're able. So to, you know uh, how it, some help. You know, The Simpsons was like twenty years ahead, predicting everything that's happening in American society and politics. Maybe yeah. the Trevor Bastard extended universe is a one-year-out prediction of everything that's going to be happening. In British right. society and politics. More or less. So we should all keep an eye on it, yeah. I mean, there was an extended thing uh, a few months ago where the lawyer, Oliver, Oliver Law Degree, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where he uh, had an affair with... Uh, he had an affair with an intern that he worked with. Um, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm losing I'm losing the, 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 the threads here. But... It, in short, I can't remember the exact details of it, but it has a lot of relevance to the Neil Ferguson stuff that happened this week over here. Oh, wait, I have I have one more detail I need to add, which is that their primary the primary sponsor of this club is the Internet Research Agency. Oh, that's so good. Also, the Neil Ferguson thing for uh peop- for Americans who might not be following it, a prominent um member of the British scientific community who was uh, kind of in the center of the quarantine effort there was caught breaking quarantine to sleep with his mistress and the British tabloids have been having sort of a field day about it. Um, I think I saw one. You sent me one, Luke, that was like Professor Lockdown caught with trousers down. Professor Lockdown breaks lockdown to get his trousers down. Okay, that's good. That's really good. Again, this bit's real. This is not part of the fake universe. But it's becoming increasingly that. hard to tell what is actually. Yes. If, if if you know if if there is no cure for COVID nineteen and we do have to sort of live like this for the rest of our lives, the Trevor Bastard extended universe could be just the way that all British people experience reality going forward. I mean, it is already. I think. Um, so speaking of things that aren't quite real or are real or a mixture of the both, the thing that I really want to talk about this week is Elon Musk's baby because I found out something wild about this baby that, uh, this will be like one of the first callbacks in this show. Uh, so Dan, a couple weeks ago, I talked about one of my favorite internet things, which is a a, a uh, legendary message board post called Roko's Basilisk. Right. The idea is that these men on this like AI message board have invented this idea that an AI in the future would kill you if you didn't help support its creation, and it would then put you in a cyber hell. And the very uh, existence of this post means that you can no longer be naive to the idea that that's a thing, so you have to contribute all of your wealth towards creating an AI to come online. And it made everyone insane. Um, And this week, Elon Musk and singer Grimes gave birth to a son that they're claiming is named X. I think think we're fine. Depending on who you ask, it's either a son or it has no gender. Right. Grimes says that doesn't have a gender. Elon Musk just said it was a boy either way the they're claiming the baby is named x a e symbol 
A12. Um, it is most likely not the name of the baby because that is illegal in California. But here's here's something crazy. This baby only exists because of Rocco's Basilisk. Wait, wait, what? This is true. So, okay. Are you are you ready for this? Because this is this is wild. I don't like the idea that Sasha Archangel is Rocco's Basilisk. So in 2018, per page six of the New York Post, a source tells us the pair met around a month ago online through a joke Musk had planned to tweet, but discovered Grimes had already made it, and it was dealing with the complications of artificial intelligence. It was about the thought experiment Rocco's Basilisk. Oh no. And it apparently, hap- what happened was Grimes had already made the same joke about Rocco's Basilisk three years before Musk did, and he had searched it because he was going to make a joke called Rococo Basilisk, which I guess is like some pun about art or architecture or French Baroque style. And Grimes had already made that joke. I hate this. I hate this. That is mind blowing. I'm. You know, I need to Google what this joke is. So, so I need to know what this the joke that's going to end the fucking universe is. It could just be an arcade fire joke. No, so his joke was going to be uh, a pun, Rococo Basilisk. I think that was all the joke was. Was just imagine if instead of Rocco's Basilisk, it was Rococo Basilisk. Okay, so we're pushing joke a little bit far here, but yeah, yeah. sure. And Grimes. Apparently, in 2015, created a character named Rococo Basilisk for a video of her song Flesh Without Blood. And at the time, she told Fuse, I don't know if you've heard of Rocco's Basilisk. This character is doomed to be eternally tortured by an artificial intelligence, and she's kind of like Marie Antoinette. I don't like this. When Elon Musk discovered that Grimes had made the same terrible pun about an evil AI that tortures you for all of eternity, he reached out to her. They started dating, and now they have a baby that they're claiming is named X Ether Sign A12. And the Ether Sign in in the name, when when Grimes, when Grimes was asked on Twitter about what the name means, she said X is the unknown variable. The AE sign is my Elvin spelling of AI, and A12 is the precursor. <laughs> Is the precursor to the SR-17, parentheses, our favorite aircraft. No weapons, no defenses, just speed. Great in battle, but non-violent. A equals Archangel, my favorite song. And then cross swords emoji, rat emoji, metal rat. And then Elon Musk corrected her and said SR-71, but yes. So, yeah. That's good. I just... Uh, I can't deal with Grimes and Elon Musk's here being Rococo Bass. Ro- fucking the ro- Rococo Bass. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. It's really dark. If there's like, that's the sort of thing where it's, I don't, you don't want to, I don't want to think about that too much because that's potentially very bad. Yeah, I'm upset. <laughs> I, I just think that like, what's really crazy to see right now is that Elon Musk and Grimes have all the behavior of a a couple you would typically see making out next to a Sabaro at Comic-Con, but they're two of the most powerful people on earth. So we have to like be forced to watch all of this happen in front of us. You know, like they should be wearing fingerless gloves at a games workshop as she like takes selfies next to him playing Warhammer 40 K. But instead he's like incredibly wealthy and they're like, very important and so all of this garbage is now like in our faces what do you guys think this baby's actual name is so i googled it and the helpful folks at business insider say that you pronounce it xi archangel well yeah but that's that's just because that's what reddit said well i'm just going off what google said i think it's it's sasser archangel which also is what reddit said but you know wikipedia also says the a symbol can be pronounced ash Hey guys, uh, Ryan here in the editing bay. After our uh, very uh, intellectual and lengthy discussion on how to pronounce uh, Elon Musk's baby's name, he went on the Joe Rogan podcast and actually explained how the name works. So let's take a listen to this. How do you say the name? (laughs) Well, uh, 
Is I, it a placeholder? Yeah, first of all, my partner is the one that uh, actually mostly came up with the name. Congratulations to her. Yeah, yeah, she's great at names. Um, so, I mean, it's just X, the letter X, um, and then the A-E is, like, pronounced Ash. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, A-12, A-12 is my contribution. Oh, why A-12? Uh, Archangel 12, the precursor to the SR-71. Coolest plane ever. <laughs> if you have a favorite aircraft, and it's an SR-71, why would you name it after the precursor? Why would you name your baby? Like, let, let's, 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 let's accept for the fact that it's totally fine to name your baby after your favorite aircraft, and let's accept the fact that you have a favorite aircraft. Why would you name it after the <laughs> precursor to your favorite aircraft? Why wouldn't you just name it after your favorite aircraft? Well, the SR-71 is codenamed Blackbird, right? Yeah, I think. So maybe they just decided that Archangel is a better name than Blackbird? Or maybe they wanted to call it after the SR-71, but the SR-71 has guns. Oh. And the earlier one doesn't have guns. What if right before Grimes gave birth, another ultra-rich baby in the neighborhood was named SR-71, and they're like, oh, we can't name our baby SR-71. That could be it. Because you don't, you can't have two kids named SR-71 in the same school. Maybe maybe Grimes already knows that her future child will be called SR-71. Yeah. You see, if they're going alphabetically, like the planes, I didn't, you got to start uh, with A. I, I, uh, Archangel, smart, smart. Blackbird. It's it's all it's all very teen girl saying I'm so random. That's like Grimes' whole shtick, though. Grimes is like Grimes is like a MySpace page come to life. That's like her whole deal. Um, if you guys were gonna name your baby after an aircraft, uh, what would it be? I mean, I know the name of like three aircrafts. Yeah, what's the prettiest one? I don't know, Concorde. Ooh, that's a pretty baby name. What about you, Dan? Bell. <laughs> after the after the Bell helicopter. That's really nice. Come, I think. Come here, Bell. <laughs> That's like an almost normal human name. Yeah. I think I'd go with a B-52 Stratofortress. <laughs> I'm very excited because it's been a few weeks since we've had my close, dear, personal Canadian friend Julia on the show. And I wanted to bring Julia on to talk about something that I've been seeing bounce around the internet, and I don't know enough about all of the things involved with it to pull it apart. So, Julia, we got to talk about, first of all, hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I got, we got to do this. Let's talk about Trolls World Tour. Oh, this, <laughs> this is a big subject that you want to just open, open the bag on. Is it true did Trolls World Tour change the movie industry forever? Is that is that true? Is that something that happened? It is true. And I also saw a tweet that I think explains it best, which was someone accidentally referred to it as Trolls World War Two. And like one, not only is that a movie I absolutely <laughs> need to see, but two, like actually defines kind of this ongoing battle between uh the movie theaters and the studios like trolls world tour is basically the agent court of digital media is the way i would put it <laughs> so so it's a sequel to a previous movie based on the troll doll is that true yeah so it stars anna kendrick and justin timberlake uh and just like any good uh typical kids movie it's about a group of beings, in this case, trolls from the Trolls universe. Yeah, the ones used to play with the long hair on when we were kids. Uh, and they uh, ha- they live in this world where music is like the main kind of resource. And in this movie specifically, they're, all their forms of music, from hip-hop to jazz to Latin to all, all kind of really uh, cool type music, is being threatened by these rock trolls who want to see all music disappear except for rock and roll, which is like... Maybe the most metal thing in the world. And they play metal, right? Like they're like they're like they're like goth metalhead trolls. Yeah, exactly. It was like someone gave scene kids in like two thousand and six like keys to make their own movie and like this is what came out of it. Uh okay, so how did <laughs> how did Trolls World Tour change the movie? First of all, have you seen the movie? Oh, yeah, I actually about an amazing thing about this. I was gonna pay so when Trolls came out originally Trolls was going to go into theaters. It was supposed to be a theatrical release. You would have uh-huh. paid 10, 15, 20 bucks to go watch it, get a bag of popcorn, chill out. Um, then, because theaters 
stopped basically existing because of uh, COVID-19, Universal decides we're going to release this directly to something called PVOD, which is just premium video on demand. It's okay. what we know as VOD or as VOD. They just added the word P, uh, sorry, the letter P in front of it to make it, uh, to justify you spending $20 on this movie. Um, when it came out, I was going to pay for it because I love trolls. Unabashedly <laughs> love the trolls movies. It, they are great movies. So I was going to pay for it. I was like, whatever. It's my Friday night. Like, I'm set. And then there was like, uh, I'm staying up uh, in Canada with my parents and they have cable. And there was this weird glitch in their system and I got it free. <gasps> Whoa. So you, what would you, would, okay. Now that you've seen it, would you say, is it worth $20 to watch? I mean, like objectively, no. And like subjectively, <laughs> yes. I have to do this a lot. Like objectively, I can tell a movie is not great, but subjectively, it is maybe one of my favorite movies of the year because it's just so batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> and the thing about trolls, so here's the thing, right? So trolls is, it's not a, it's not objectively a good movie. So which would make any rational, logical person go, well, then why is it become, you know, kind of, uh, the, the center of world war four or whatever between the studios and the the, the theater owners, the, the group that they're in the, 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 the group of theater owners refer to themselves as NATO, not the world war two one, but they are their own NATO. Wait, really? Which is fun. Yeah, they stand for the uh, National Association of Theater Owners. Wait, so people who own movie theaters are in an organization that they just are totally cool with calling themselves? Like, that's insane. They know there's it's another. It's great because you'll. Yeah, it's great you'll see like a deadline headline that says deadline trade publication that says something like NATO outrage, and it takes a second before you're like, <laughs> which one? <laughs> and what do we matter? NATO is <laughs> NATO is outraged about trolls world. They must know there's another NATO though, right? Like someone must have told them like, hey guys, like you can't have that name. There's already another NATO. It kind of feels very like Martin Scorsese knowing that if he says that Marvel movies are theme park rides, people would be mad. This is them kind of being like, we know there's a NATO, <laughs> but we're going to be our own NATO, which I respect. So NATO is mad about Trolls World Tour. Why are they mad? Why is right. NATO so getting, mad? Getting to, getting to the whole point about why NATO is mad about Trolls World Tour. <laughs> so when iTunes came around in the early 2000s, you couldn't actually do anything with movies until about 2008, 2009. Right. By the time that started happening, you had major studios go, oh, we can rent movies after they come out in theaters. We can rent movies <laughs> to people via iTunes. Like, what a great system. Between 2008 and 2020, the industry undergoes its most dramatic shift since, like, basically the birth of film, which is this idea that consumers are not – there's a declining attendance rate to movie theaters, and consumers no longer really want to go to movie theaters. But they are willing to pay for streaming services, and they're willing to pay – for movies on demand, which right. is this premium video on demand. So what you saw what happened with Universal, who produced Trolls World Tour, is they went, well, first of all, there's no theaters to begin with. Second of all, we're in this moment where we're probably going to take a bunch of our movies and make them premium video on demand titles anyways, because it doesn't make sense to put them in theaters if they're just going to lose money. Uh, and so the combination of that led to this moment where they said, hey, Trolls was going to be theatrical, but we're going to use it as an experiment and see if we release this to people via premium video on demand, they pay $20, if it'll be successful. And it was for them. They made like $100 million and sold like 20 million copies. It was a great win for them and a great loss for theaters who are already worried about declining attendance, who are already worried about people, about studios going, we don't really want to bring our movies to theaters anymore unless they can generate a billion dollars in revenue. So and now so NATO's trolls, pissed became this exemplary thing that studios could do to generate more money for themselves and it led the and it left theater owners scared shitless. The thing that I've been wondering and I have like this genuine curiosity about this, which is like who's the bad guy? Should I be rooting for studios having more control over how I see movies or should I be rooting for theaters who want to decide what did I do with my physical body? Which I feel like I don't like that. I feel like I don't like I don't like NATO, <laughs> and I don't like the studios. So like, who's the good guy in this? What is? What do I do? Yeah, that's it, that. I think is you. That's the most important question you can ask, uh, especially someone who like has no stake in any of this. Like you're not an executive <laughs> at. I just want to watch a trolls movie. That's all I want. You're like do. I want to watch trolls. Like <laughs> I watch trolls uh, is a sentence no one other than me has said. But uh, it, it, it's a good question. So you have to look at the players in this. The major theaters 
are no longer independent, right? Uh, right? AMC is owned by a Chinese company. I can't remember who the name of it is. Regal, who's the second biggest theater chain in the United States, is owned by Cineworld, who's in the UK, who owns the majority of theaters kind of around everywhere. I will um, say British movie theaters are really nice. I really enjoy yeah, them. Yeah, they just bought uh, – or they're, they're trying to buy right now Cineplex, which is Canadian, and Chain, which is great. Um, but So there's the, – when most people think of movie theaters, they think of the chain. So it's where you go more often. They tend to carry more things. In the middle of that is the Alamos. It's your Nighthawks. It's kind of independent chains who carry certain movies and right. provide more of an event-type experience. The ones you can get hammered in. Exactly. And I think that's the important part we're going to come back to. And then on the third end are <laughs> Can and I get drunk when I watch Trolls World Tour? That's what I want to know. And if you're watching it sober, you're not doing it right. <laughs> uh, but, and then on the third, the, the last player is the studios. And the studios are the most, impo- more, most important here because there's only about four or five that the studios, uh, that the theaters, excuse me, really care about. And that's Disney, that's Universal, it's Warner Brothers, it's Sony, uh, and Fox, which is now Disney. Um, to the point where Disney releases its dates and then all the other studios kind of plan around Disney because they don't uh. want to compete with them. And the theaters are just open to it. They're like, yeah, you guys, let us know what space you want it and we're going to do this. The independent, um, excuse me, the independent studios are already kind of doing this m- this weird hybrid where they're going, we're going to release the movies that we know are either going to get nominated for Oscars or might be able to generate some money into theaters. But mostly we're going to partner with streaming services like Netflix or we're go- mm-hmm. or, and Hulu, or we're going to go directly to VOD where we have an audience. Um, and so the, the main conversation with Troll specifically is do you want to support AMC Regal or the idea of like NBC Universal who's owned by Comcast? And really, <sighs> no one, like none of those people are good in the, the, this whole situation. The, the question is, what is better for the consumer? And at the time, like, yeah, trolls being released, being released on premium <laughs> video on demand services like iTunes and Amazon is better for people stuck at home with kids who don't want to watch Frozen 2 for a thousandth time. Hmm. So, so I think it comes down to that. The question is what happens to theaters like Alamo, which is what, the ones we really care about, right? Those are the ones that we right. genuinely like. Uh, and I think they actually will come out of this doing better than most uh, in terms of the idea of them. Because when people go watch more movies again, they're going to want to pay for the experience. Right. They're going to want to pay, like you said, right, like to get hammered and watch a movie where you can make a lot of noise or wherever it is. Um, I was going to – I'd ask you, like, what troll would you be? But, like, it's pretty obvious that you'd be a rock troll. Uh, Julia, if people want to follow you on the internet, where should they do that? Um, you can follow me at Loudmouth Julia on Twitter, uh, and I write about Trolls World Tour exclusively <laughs> <Only. laughs> for TheVerge.com. You are the Verge's Trolls World Tour correspondent, and uh, that's that's it. So, okay. Well, thank you, Julia. Thank you. comes the part of the show uh, where we go around and we share what content we're consuming to stay sane. So uh, besides for RPGs, Dan, uh, is there any content you're currently consuming to stay sane? Uh, I sent this. No, I I don't think I sent this to you. I tweeted it a couple of weeks ago. It's uh, an article in Rolling Stone. It's the uh, it's a true crime article from 1986. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever read. It's called Cult, Cult Killing colon kids in the dark and it's a true story of uh, a teen who is murdered on long island and all the kids in the town know about it and they go out to visit his body like in stand by me but nobody calls the police and this guy's like rotting in the ground for weeks and the article is an oral history uh told from the points of view of each of the teens involved in this murder and it's honestly one of the most incredible things I've ever read. <clears throat> I'll send you the link. Maybe you could put it in the uh, newsletter or something. But yeah, Cult Killing Kids in the Dark, Rolling Stone, um, 1984. I can't wait to watch the Netflix series that's based on and never read the original article. <laughs> uh, well, I can't wait to do the thing where I watch both the series based on it and then I watch the Mark Wahlberg documentary about it that he makes out of spite, 
which is apparently what he's doing with like the McDonald's million story where he lost the rights to the show. So now he's trying to rush the production of a documentary about the same story to like compete with the show. That's to come out, out first. Yeah. Good. Normal. Totally normal. Well, yeah, the pro- yeah. The problem with this article was that it was written in 1984, which is before the uh, long read industrial complex Hollywood relationship thing where every long read is now pre-bought by a Hollywood producer and turned into a film before you've even read it. So, yeah. Should we, should we do this movie? The three of us, should we just get together and just like write this movie? Yeah, sure. I'll see you in like a year's time. <laughs> I have nothing better to do. Let's write a true crime. Let's write, let's write a treatment for a true crime movie. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. I mean, it's written as an oral history. So the dialogue's already there. It's mm. like, all you have to do is get some actors to read out the article. Easy. Actors have nothing to do right now. How did you find an article from 1984? That's a funny question. I'm glad you asked. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, do you remember the article I sent you about the guy from Wheatus trying to recreate <laughs> note for note <laughs> yes. their 2000 hit uh, Teenage Dirtbag? <laughs> it's not good. It is not a good recreation. Okay. It's not. So, uh, well, to loop everybody else in, the guy from Wheatus uh, <laughs> doesn't, at some point in the last 20 years, lost the original master tapes of the uh, Stone Cold Banger, Teenage Dirtbag. And in order to make money off his song, is therefore having to try and recreate it note for note and has spent two years in the studio on a three-minute song to try and get something close to the original. Unfortunately, uh, what he's ended up with is not good somehow. It's all the ingredients. It's just not the same. It's just not the same. With the same recipe and the same people playing and trying to do it 20 years later, and it's bad. Anyway, in that article, uh, which was also in Rolling Stone, they link to this article because the guy from Wheatus grew up in this town on Long Island. No way. That's wild. Okay, well, these two need to be part of the same Netflix series then. I think I think it's the Wheatus interconnected universe and it all starts with Wheatus' Teenage Dirtbag and spirals out from there. Guys, Teenage Dirtbag is named after this crime. Get the so, fuck out. Is that true? Yeah. No. That's wild. Get out of here. There you go. No way is that true. Wait, that, oh my God, that also names the Netflix series. <sighs> Teenage Dirtbag, done. Yeah. And Boom. the theme song, guys. And the theme song. Wait, but we should get the guy who did the acoustic cover of Teenage Dirtbag because it's better in almost every single way. It's, it's much we better. Yeah, yeah. The masters, wow. That is blowing my fucking mind. That is wild. So click on links, guys. <laughs> there's, there's the lesson of this week. Click on links. That's crazy. <laughs> Luke, what, what content are you consuming to stay sane this week? Uh, I'm going to jump back a few weeks. I finally finished Control. Uh, the video game, which ended one of the best levels of like, well, the second to last level is like one of the best levels of anything I've ever played. Uh, you basically go into a, you go into what is supposed to be a hotel, but you're in the secret FBI building, uh, and then, but you have to be wearing a Walkman when you go in, uh, and the Walkman you'll go in playing is um, is one of the Finnish bands, which they consider like an alternative rock band, and the rest of the world would consider like an extremely heavy metal band. They're like, no, it's it's just normal. It's normal rock music. Uh, and the track's called like Out of Asgard or something. Yeah, nice. Um, but it's perfectly synced up with the level so that like they're going rounded loops and then each time something else happens, the track changes. So it's like a perfectly cued thing. But then as you're going through, the floors start giving way and then the, the walls rise up and then doors jump. So you like, jump forward to a door, which then turns into a window, which then like dumps you down a hole and then you're in like a lobby again. Then you got to fight some people. Then everything starts shifting around you while this like really quite good Finnish metal is playing. That's um, so sick. Yeah. Also at this point you've gathered, you've gathered all the powers. So yeah, you've gathered all the powers so you can fly, you can like pick things up and throw them. You can like put shields around you by like pulling all the like stuff around you into like a, an armor as people shoot you. It's great. Yeah. I also played this game and it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. I'd agree. It's like the greatest set piece in, a video game in the last few years it's phenomenally yeah. good it's up there with like that for first uh medal of honor series where you actually go on the onto the normandy beaches yeah and i mean 
I would have said a couple of weeks ago that Control was one of my favorite games of the last year. Oh, it was my favorite game of the last year. But that's before I played Disco Elysium. So. <laughs> um, what are you doing? What are you? What content are you been consuming to stay sane, Ryan? Well, I've got that Japanese RPG that I was talking about earlier, but I'm kind of dating RPG. Sure, I'm not ready to really endorse that fully yet because I'm not really sure where it's going. But I do have something that, like, basically on Sunday I watched the entire season of, and I was so obsessed with it, and I can't stop thinking about it, and it's so wild. It's a Netflix show. It's the first ever Belgian original Netflix show called Into the Night. And it is fucking banana pants. It is outrageous. The premise is the opening scene is like a NATO officer steals a machine gun in the in the Brussels airport, boards a plane, and then forces the uh, like everyone on the plane to like sit down. They lock the door and he's like, we got to go right now. And then they take off. And what you find out is that the polarity of the sun has shifted. And so that when the sun rises, uh, you just microwave from the inside and die. So everyone on earth starts dying the minute the sun rises. So the premise of the show is the ca- the crew and the, the, the passengers have to, have to keep flying East to stay in nighttime. Oh, that's very good. And it's like, it's so French. It is like, it is incredibly overdramatic dramatic. It, every episode ends with like every episode starts with a sting that goes like and then it goes like into the night and then every episode ends with a sting on like a cliffhanger that's like into the night and it's like and oh and the best part is the the end of the first season they're like what or first episode one of the characters is like what do we do and the other character like almost looks at the camera basically and in French is like we've got to fly and then it goes credits into the night and it's like so dumb and it's so great it's six episodes of like 45 minutes and i found it kind of like cathartic to watch a different pandemic play out in a weird way i was like oh well the sun isn't microwaving us from the inside and i don't have to be stuck on a plane with belgians so i guess like my quarantine is better than theirs that's one way to think of it (laughs) i i do feel like you know to round the show up get back to what we were talking about at the beginning that this is the entirely the result of us saying, well, it couldn't get any worse. So <laughs> like COVID-19 <laughs> yeah. is the, re- that's the result, right? Last year we were like, Oh, everything's shit. 2020. It's going to be great because it couldn't get any worse. And now what you're positing is that in fact, it could get worse because the sun could microwave us all <laughs> from the inside out. So I'm, I've, <laughs> like, I now feel terrible because we've, we've, we've said it out loud. This is surely going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to talk to French people, and I'm not being microwaved inside out by the sun. And I think those are two small victories that I can count on in my life amid this horrible pandemic. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, If you stay in your flat, like, do you still get microwaved by the sun? Oh, yeah. So that's the thing. Um, It's like radiation. So you can't even hide... Like the, the the later half of the season is them trying to find some kind of radioactive proof bunker that they can get to. But the problem is that the plane that was hijacked in the beginning only had enough fuel to go to Moscow. So what they're doing is they're going around the world the other way to try to keep getting fuel. So it's all like it's and it's it's cool. And I feel like a smart way to do a show with like a minimal budget because the the bottle it's a, it's basically like a bottle episode but you know problems keep happening because the plane wasn't meant to be flying around the world five times in a row so they kind of do a decent job doing the like how do we make up for the fact that we have basically one location in a couple abandoned airports to land in which I I thought that was kind of clever like a kind of a clever idea smart if, I, if it happens I'm just gonna go sit outside and wait for it I'm I'm done trying to survive all this <laughs> I'm done trying to survive. <laughs> All, all right, these, all all right. that's our show. Things. Thanks so much, guys. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, Thanks, guys. Uh, Dan, uh, if you want to follow you on the internet, what's a what's a good place for them to do that? Uh, I'm at Words by Dan on Twitter and Instagram. I'm probably on Instagram more than I am on Twitter, uh, although having found out about Trevor Bastard, I'll probably be on Twitter a lot more now. Uh, and you can buy my book, uh, Johnny Ruin, at all good internet outlets. Um, 
I also want to say uh, I don't know what happened, but it, it does seem like a lot of people started listening to the show in the last couple of days, at least more than were. So I want to say welcome. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, and if any of you like the app Pocket Cast, I am in a protracted fight with them to figure out how to update our show properly. You probably can't hear this, but if you have any friends who listen to Pocket Cast that <laughs> like the show, please let them know I'm working on it unless you can hear this now and then email me and then I'll know that you've heard this. Um, uh, Luke, if people want to follow you on the internet, where can they do that? Where, where should uh, they do that? On, on Twitter, at I'm bad at life. You got anything to plug? <sighs> I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm exhausted, man. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play us out with the uh, the audio from that Puma ad. I think that'd be kind of a fun way to end the show. That's good. Yeah, I'll be that. your dream. I'll be your wish. I'll be your fantasy. I'll be your hope. I'll be your love. Be everything that you need. I love you more with every breath. Truly, madly, deeply do. I will be strong. I will be faithful. Cause I'm counting on a new beginning.